Today, we devote the next half hour to theology. And a little something extra you didn't expect. This is Lanyap Theology. Hey, this is Dave Delio from the University of Holy Cross, chair of the theology department, uh, here with my friend and colleague, Todd Amick. Hi, I'm Todd Amick, assistant professor of theology. And uh, we are back again with another uh, blazing week of Lanyap Theology. We've done uh, several shows uh, talking about kind of what Lanyap Theology is. And what we wanted to do today is make it a little bit more personal. Not only that you'll get to know us, but really kind of where we're coming from when we say Lanyap Theology, that there has to be both this personal element that connects to the larger Catholic Church, the larger Christian faith, that theology is not is neither just this kind of abstract exercise, nor is it simply about how I feel in my own faith, that there's this kind of push and pull. And so what I want to do today is really kind of open up the door to um, listening to Todd's story. If you uh, were listening last week, Todd gave a, a beautiful reflection on how you begin to appropriate theology, but he gave it through this wonderful analogy of hunting with his dad. And um, that there comes a point in time where you have to make a tradition your own. Uh, Todd was talking about you know that that for his whole life he had really hunted with his dad but his dad had kind of taken a lead and that um events had, had changed and now it was time to, kind of time for him to do the same well that is what doing theology really is for all of us is that you cannot you know in a sense take the church for granted um that you know the doctrine's always going to be there that there's a certain point that christ calls us our bishops call us our spouses our friends call us to know who this God is deeper, to help kind of bring the gospel, to bring the love and mercy of Christ to this world. And and it really, one of the only ways we can do that is becoming self-aware of our own journey and becoming aware of the tradition that we're a part of. And so um, what I want to to do is kind of open the floor today and, and listen to Todd's journey. So um, Todd, you, you had said last show that you were part of a military family, but you you ended up moving kind of permanently to New Orleans when you were in grade school. About about what age? That would have been fourth grade. Okay, fourth grade. And so so walk me through kind of you know at least your early your early um, life, um, both in your family and the church, and kind of how those two things interacted. Sure. So we we moved here, uh, as I mentioned before. My father was in the Marine Corps, so we we had lived in Mississippi. We lived in Japan. You know, he had done different tours. Um, uh, did a, a couple of tours in Vietnam before I came along. Actually, met my uh, my mom. Um, she went to LSU and went to uh, went to Hawaii to meet another pilot um, who was on R and R, and realized pretty quickly that that she didn't like him a whole lot. And uh, the story is that she walked, uh, she went into a party, and if, if you've met my dad, he's got dark hair. It's not all there, right? It's not all there anymore, but he's got dark hair. And um, uh, she went to a party with a friend of hers after realizing that the guy she went to go meet wasn't the guy she wanted to meet. And, uh, and her friend said, okay, who, whom, do you, whom do you wanna meet here? And she looked around the room and she said, how about the blonde with the mustache? Well, there's nothing blonde on my dad and, and, and by God's grace, there's no mustache on me either. And, uh, and of course, that's my father. And then within a year, they, they married. Um, my, my grandmother gave permission for her to stay a little bit longer there in Hawaii, which is atypical, you know, a typical New Orleans grandma and, and mom. 
and um, and so they they were married then. Uh, uh, went to Hawaii, um, where where I'm, I'm told I was conceived in, in Kanaoi. Uh, finally came back here, um, and in the states, this was you know my dad's last duty station. Went to grade school here, in New Orleans. Um, went to high school as well. Um, it, my, my experience of, of Catholicism when I came here was, in essence, it was the only thing I knew. Almost like being a, a, a military dependent, you know, people think, oh, that's extraordinary that you've lived in all these foreign places and these, these different states and moved every couple of years. But for us, that was just life. You know, for my sister and I, that was just typically what we had. We were too close to it to realize, no, that's a pretty atypical way to, to be able to grow up. So moved here, our experience of Catholicism was, you know, both of my parents were, were Catholic, and it's, uh, it's kind of neat to reflect on how Amix are Catholic, um, uh, as well as how, how Sergos, which is my mom's family, are Catholic as well. Where's your dad from originally? Um, from California, California. So I bet you his Catholicism and your mom's were, I mean, there's the unity of the faith, but there's also a different experience I'm sure I'm sure and I, I wonder because my father comes from a military family and his father and his father and it, it goes quite away kind of like Forrest Gump uh, a little bit like that yeah exactly that that um, and so we I, I've never really asked him or discussed that with him and yet I'm, I'm sure uh, that that experience was was uh, was interesting kind of teasing it out but one thing that probably helped with that was that my mom then entered into a, a military marriage so so for her and the expression of Catholicism wasn't necessarily New Orleans. You know, she went to she went to Holy Angels and then she went to um, uh, went to high school here as well at Mount Carmel and and you know LSU, but had this this Catholic culture. For her, then it became you know the the military Catholic culture, which means you the first thing you do is there might only be one option for mass on a base. Um, you get to know the Catholic families that are there because you share the sacraments, you share their lives. The the godparents you know are, are a lot of times not just family as in New Orleans where it's you know going to be a a cousin, a brother, and the such, but but maybe the people that you're stationed with, um, and so that was the Catholicism that, that we knew. Um, you know, came here then in, in in fourth grade, went through Catholic school, Catholic high school, and I'm, I haven't really reflected a whole lot on kind of where my experience of rebellion came from. Um, but all throughout high school, I was certainly nominally a Catholic, uh, but I would not say that, that the work of appropriation that we've talked about was something that I did. Where did you go to high school? I went to Jesuit high school. Okay, so that was one of my neat introductions to Louisiana culture, or New Orleans culture specifically, when people would constantly ask me, so where did you go to school? And I would say, well, Trinity. And they would, Trinity? There ain't no Trinity. I said, well, yeah, I went to Trinity University in San Antonio, Texas. No, 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 no. What high school do you go to? Which immediately meant to them, this guy has no idea where he, what he's talking about. And um, so I, I, I found that that's a fascinating piece of, uh, of Louisiana, uh, especially New Orleans culture, of uh, asking when you say, what school did you go to? In, in Massachusetts, you would never say, what school did you go to, meaning high school. You'd say, what school did you go to, meaning like what college or... Or anywhere else you know. in the Or in you'd the ask world. what town. Yeah. You, you, or you'd ask a different question, what town did you grow up in? So, but there, there would be a difference. But um, anyway, so so you went to Jesuit and you were, it was more of a nominal, like you went through it, but it wasn't like... I did. And the nominal part was certainly on, on my part. Um, one of the things that I, I realize now in, in reflecting back, and I'll, I'll talk through some of these pieces kind of of my, my spiritual history here a little bit later, but um, as I entered more deeply into the faith, I, I looked back and I realized that I had so many opportunities in high school by so many holy, holy people, um, I, I just wasn't ready to, to take it in. Yeah. You know, so uh, being a, a part of a military family and then eventually being in the military, character assessment is something you, you get to do pretty quickly. You know, where you, you in essence, 
are, are able to determine is this a person of character or is he not because that that is that is direct implications on your survivability as well as as comfortability you know you get a new family every couple of weeks every couple of years what have you and you need to know you know who are the good guys that are really going to be looking out for me um there were a lot of those good guys there i didn't realize it until much later i'll, I'll give you an example of, of one of those good guys uh, one of the priests uh, left to be the, the vicar general of Siberia. And so he was in a place that hadn't seen a Catholic priest in about 40 years. This is one of the Jesuits. And when I was in priestly formation, uh, we were at a dinner together, and he, he heard my, my, my first name and, and didn't really hear my last, or rather he heard my last name uh, uh, just a little bit, and he said, he said, did you say Amick? And I said, yes. And he said, Todd Amick. I said, yes. And he said, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm Tony Corcoran you know, who's a, a Jesuit, and he said, and I said, how do you remember my name? And he said, I taught you civics in 10th grade. And I said, but how do you remember my name? He said, because I've prayed for you since then. Wow. Yeah, and so the question is, like, that's amazing, but also, what did I do in 10th grade that he kept praying for Yeah, me? well, <laughs> that's another question. Yeah, so... Um, uh, for, for me to look back at, at my time in, in high school, you know, there was certainly a, a personal rebellion, but there were so many opportunities to, to not only be able to, to receive a, a good, you know, an approximation of, a, of a, a classical education, but also so many good witnesses of the faith. What was your, uh, what was the kind of the, the larger cultural appropriation of Catholicism, like your parish life, um, you know, the, the, the events and things of New Orleans, like Mardi Gras, Easter, those types of things? For me, there, there were things you did. Um, you know, so, so for me, there was a bit of a disconnect between me and, and my parish, whereas for my wife, who's a local New Orleanian, she was very much connected. Her, her entire social life was her, her CYO, organization at her church. For me, there was a bit of a, of a disconnect, though. Um, did you, when you were younger, did you ever connect, kind of connect Mardi Gras and, and all these other things to, uh, to like, did you see the Catholic element in it or was it just like, I'm going to go get tons of beads? Uh, it, 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 for me, it wasn't even the tons of beads things. It, it was family. You know, so my, my memories, as I reflect back on, on Mardi Gras, were being, you know, my, my grandfather had a printing business on the corner of, of Poydras, um, right next to where Mother's Restaurant is now. Uh -huh. And so that was our stationing place. You know, so there'd be Popeye's chicken there. There'd be all the, the, the potato salad and everything else, a bit of gumbo there. That was where we'd go to warm up and then go out and get our beads and come back. Um, so for me, that, that was family. That was comfort. Um, but it really... If, if you had asked me, what is the significance of this? I, I could not have teased that. I could not have put that together. Okay, so um, where does it change for you? What's the, what's the, what, what are the, what are the, what are the moments that begin, that you begin to have a personal appropriation, that you begin to have a personal encounter that then transforms, as you said, you know, you're kind of going through the motions. Um, and, I, you know, I'm sure there's a lot of people listening who are like, man, that's me. I might have not been in New Orleans. I might not have been in a military family, but you know, high school was just kind of a blur and it was kind of, you know, or when I did things that were in one sense, very Catholic, I just thought it was, oh, this is my family time. I didn't really connect it to larger pieces. So when did it happen for you? When did it, you know, when did you kind of hitch onto the wagon or, or you know, start the journey? Well, I, I, I went to college, I went to school and I realized pretty quickly that I, I wasn't ready for school, um, that I, I, I needed to, to grow up a little bit more. And part of that, that personal maturation also was the, you know, was the raw material for my spiritual 
maturation as well. So I, 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 um, I came back, I, I entered a special forces unit. Um, I wanted to be active duty for about three years. And uh, so I looked around and, and tried to find a way that I could do that and then go back into school. I was interested in medicine. Uh, found out about a special forces unit that had a very high attrition rate. Very few people made it through, but it, it took about three years to get qualified if you got through. And then at the end, you, you were special force, you were Green Beret. And the medical training I would have received would have been, um, it's close to the, the civilian uh, PA equivalent, um, but you do, you, know, you do surgical techniques, you do nursing skills, you do everything that you might be called upon to, to do in a foreign country where there is no doctor so so spent about three years away came back growing the faith a little bit open you know I still went to went to mass didn't really understand the significance of it kind of kind of being on my own for the very first time that was the first time I got to ask the question okay well, well what is the faith what is the faith as 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 I as a particular person am supposed to receive it you know, everything before was, you know, these are the motions that you go through. This is just what you do. So the faith was very much by default. And what I began to realize is that if, if this is true, and this is part of that journey, that if this is true, then it's all true and it changes everything. But if it's false, if it's false, and this is that kind of that, that suspension of belief, if it's false, then it's all false and it changes everything as well. So there's a real intellectual component to your, to your maturation, not simply that you just kind of grew up as you grew older or that you just had a lot of experience there's a lot of thought involved here because you're asking true false questions which has kind of a light and dark dimension to it there was this was this was certainly not faith by osmosis well you know what um on the other side of our break let's um let's pick it up from there and kind of see where uh where your journey leads from this this kind of conversion Hey y'all, this is Matt Picard from Brobers, Louisiana. I'm a senior theology major at the University of Holy Cross, New Orleans. I'd like to tell you why I chose to become a part of the Holy Cross family. My time here has been challenging, but in a good way, the way I want to be challenged. I've grown in mind, heart, and body. As a theology major, I've learned about the Catholic tradition and philosophy while expanding my faith and understanding. My heart has grown in service to others as past theology club president, lecturer at mass, and through a variety of community projects, As a former high school athlete, I've also enjoyed fellowship in sports and activities with my friends at Holy Cross. I could have chosen a variety of excellent majors at the university, but I chose theology because of my passionate desire to know more about God, Christ, and His church. I know with this foundation that whatever I choose, I will be successful and more fulfilled knowing how my faith relates to all that I do. To learn more about our theology program, please visit our website at uhcno.edu backslash theology. Welcome back. This is Dave Delio from the University of Holy Cross, and I'm here with my good friend and colleague, Todd Amick, and we uh, we were just finishing up talking about kind of the early stages of, of Todd's uh, life of faith. And the reason why we're doing that is um, we're really trying to explore... Um, if you're listening on the other end, we want you to do what we're doing, which is walking through your own spiritual autobiography, your own spiritual history of... Um, what was it like growing up in a Catholic household or a Christian household or, or even a household without belief? What, what was that like? And then did you ever have a moment or a series of moments or, or a period of time where um, God made sense to you, the faith made sense to you? And so we're, we're, we're exploring that in our own lives. I think this is a really helpful exercise for us. Um, and, but because we really believe that that's at the heart of Lanyap theology. 
that Lanyap theology isn't something that's abstract, that it's something personal, but it connects to something larger. So, so picking up where we left off, Todd, you would you would kind of you were talking about that th- this kind of question of truth began to hit you and you had either you know if it's true then it's all true and if it's false then it's all false and there's a lot of consequences one way or another so so where are we in your life at this point in time at this point um that, that would be me coming off of, off of active duty coming back here to new orleans studying biology pre-med because i gotten as i'd mentioned a lot of medical training i thought well well i must be called to be a doctor you know, so so I was getting my undergrad biology pre-med um, and uh, uh, following the, the medicine route, had even gone and, and met with some people from the board of, of one of our, our medical schools here because I thought, well, this must be the match. The military also trained me as a civilian paramedic to be able to keep my skills up in between deployments. So I was working for uh, uh, East Jefferson here, PRN. So I was working nights, getting biology pre-med. And the the search element, that, that journey, which was, as I mentioned for me, not, not by osmosis, that was a constant. Even when I left high school and kind of with that rebellious dimension, I, I, I knew there was a God. Intellectually, I knew there was a God, but, but what I had a very difficult time imagining was that, that that God took flesh in Jesus Christ to reveal his love to me. You know, so you mentioned before that if, if the answer is yes, then there are consequences or no, there are consequences. I looked at those consequences and they, they were so stark that in a certain sense, and maybe this is, you know, one of the things that's come clear with teaching teenagers is that I, I, I didn't want to be hurt in that. You know, I didn't want to be lied to. I didn't want to be messed with. I really, really needed to know. And I can remember um, I met a, uh, uh, a holy, holy priest. Um, and and this, this is certainly a New Orleans thing. I was at a, at a party. Um, with a, uh, a young lady that I was dating, and there was a, a, a group of Catholics there, and many of them were from the Catholic Charismatic Renewal type, type group. And at this party was actually a priest who was hearing confessions. Um, so, so, but neither aspect. Wait, there was a priest <laughs> holding confessions at a party? There was, there oh was. Oh my God, we should have that all the time. It, yes. Because you can be, you know, it's like I've had one too many bourbons. It's you not. Know, Father, I'll stop right now. Not exactly that. Oh, no. I mean, no. that's, you know, okay, good. No, not a, not a spiritual laundromat, okay? <laughs> but but I uh, I went back and, and he heard my confession. For me still, I, I really didn't have faith in the sacraments. So I didn't really understand that I was being forgiven of my sins and being invited into the communion that can come from that. That what separates us really is that, that dimension of unlove or, or sin. And this, this priest had just had such a, a way about him, such a profound sense and a way about him that he, uh, I, I said, I said, Father, you know, if I have questions, can I, can I come and talk to you? And he said, absolutely, absolutely. And so not long after that, I gave him a call and I said, look, you know, I've, I've got questions. Can we talk? And he said, look, a parishioner just gave me a red lobster uh, gift card. He said, let's go get lunch. And we did. And it, one of the things that was so compelling was not only his personal witness of holiness, um, but also that there was no question I could ask that, and, and my daughters don't say this word, it's the S word, it's a bad word, but, but there was no question that was too stupid for him. Right. There was no hypothetical, no question that I couldn't push in there. And, and oftentimes that pushing is from a place of you don't want to be hurt. So you push every possibility out. One thing I want to draw out, and, and this is a very important piece to it, what I'm hearing in your faith journey, and um, is that, number one, faith is not simply a feeling, and it is not it's not blind trust either. And, you know, so often Christians are characterized as like, oh, you have faith because you stopped asking questions. Oh, you have faith because you you want to short circuit answers. You want God of the gaps. You, you know, or, um, or you're, you know, a lot of people think faith is just like the sentimental, like, well, I just feel that there's God or I feel good. 
But what you're saying and what I'm hearing is, is that you're having these promptings, you're having these things happen to you and it's, it's lighting up your mind and you're now seeking answers. You're actually out there saying, no, I want to understand it. I don't just want to be like, uh, or just to, to, to say, oh, well, you know, um, that just solves it. Close it off, lock it down, put it away, I'm done. It's more like, no, 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 I want to keep opening it up. No, I want to open that up. No, I need to open, I need to know this. Right. And, 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 and fortunately, but not, um, not mysteriously, someone comes into your life who can answer those questions. A personal dimension, yeah. Well, well meaning that like God's providence, you know, it, Not wasn't, accidental. it wasn't accidental that right. you were at a party with confessions, which I, by the way, I'm gonna have a priest at every one of my parties going forward. <laughs> this is the greatest thing that I've ever discovered. Um, there's no accidents in this, that God knows that you wanna know. So he's gonna put people in your path who are gonna help you to know. That's, I, I want you to understand, Faith is a form of knowledge. Our faith is not is not something in our heart when we mean it like in an emotional sense. It's in our heart when we say heart means like the deepest form of what we know and understand. When we know when we love our kids, that's in our hearts. And so, uh, you know, you're saying that, and I, and um, I just want I want to bring that out is that that's a very important piece to this journey. Yeah, and it wasn't. I not only wanted to know, I needed to know. The, the way that I can remember describing to, and his name was Monsignor Gust, and, and the reason why I said this is a very New Orleans thing was that later, um, I, I, you know, I, in, in talking to my family and talking about Father Gust, they said, you mean Bobby Gust? And I said, I said, what do you mean? It turned out that my grandparents knew him when he was a very young priest and always had in their fridge Dixie beer because that was his favorite beer. That's the reason they always had it was for this young priest who eventually then as a much older priest and he's, he's passed on to his reward now. But, but that's, that was the dynamic. I can remember telling him, um, because I, I wanted to believe, but I also, the, there, was, there was no cheating belief. I had weighed the scale so much in the favor of doubt that I really, really had to know. And the, the hypothetical I gave was, you know, he said, we were talking about faith and he said, well, you know, do you believe? And I said, if you ask me, do I believe in God? And if there's a button I can press, and if I'm wrong and press it, Everyone I know dies horribly. If you ask me, is there a God? I'll say yes, and I'll press the button. I won't hesitate. And I said, but if you ask me, is Jesus Christ God? Is he, is he truly the son of God taking human flesh to reveal to us his love and inviting us then into that love in the life of the church? I said, I would hesitate to press the button. I would hesitate. And I knew that can't be, that can't be my, my disposition. I have to know. Either way, I have to know. And so I, I constantly was searching, constantly was seeking, was seeking, was searching, talked to every holy person I could talk to, talked to every unholy person I could talk to, uh, sought. Um, one of the things I was really, really able to do as a teenager was if somebody uh, promoted the faith, if there was any degree of hypocrisy, because hypocrisy is everywhere except in me, right? It was right. everywhere in the world except in me. I could sniff that out. You know, I could see that and reject what they were proposing, you know, namely the Christian faith. Um, but in, this, in this, this place of really seeking, of really searching, the, the, the challenges began to break down. And I began to realize more and more, this seems to be true. This at least matches with what's most real in my life, which I didn't realize at the time. Now, as, as, as someone studying the dynamics and the nature of love, I begin to see that what had the most credibility in my life was always love. But I, at that time, I, I, I didn't know that. And so I, I, as the barriers began to break down, I, uh, I read a book. 
Um, one of them was was uh, Gautier's The Meaning of Life, uh, which posed its love as the universal principle of, of, uh, of the Catholic faith. And another one, which was really compelling, was um, Mere Christianity by C.S. Lewis. And I think the fact that... Uh, you know, Mere Christianity was was written uh, around uh, 1942, um, and originally as broadcast talks. So Lewis was a you know was an atheist, and then he was called in to talk to the Royal Air Force. You know, whose whose life expectancy was 13 missions was like it was like a 90% chance that they would be killed on these these missions, these bombing missions. And so his job was to help young men who were likely going to die within the next couple of months to realize what life's all about. Then the BBC brought him in that during the Blitz, that he would explain some of the basic tenets of the Christian faith. This was the, the British answer, right? Think very secular Britain, right? Think of, of EU constitution pushing God out. The Brits, the British, are actually asking C.S. Lewis, a former atheist, Help us to understand how true hope is found in the Christian faith. So I read Mere Christianity, the first chapter in particular, uh, and I realized that this this was one of the major hindrances was the chapter on pride. Right. You know, and Lewis calls it the greatest sin, and, and of course grounds that theologically. You know, with 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 Satan as as being best understood as as the incarnation, in a certain sense of pride. Um, or the, the, the spiritual dimension of, of pride there. But for me, I began to see that and it began to break down. And so as, that, as the natural virtue of, 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 of humility began to creep in a little bit, there was an openness. And after I read that book, right after that, which is not accidental, was the, the, the very next, um, you know, I'd, I'd finished the book, I, I entered then into prayer and I said, okay, my mind and my heart have finally come together. Right? So a true sense of knowledge, not that the mind knows and the heart feels, but the mind and the heart both knew in a very profound sense. And so I said, okay, this is real. What do I do now? What do I do now? And the prayer that I offered there, I saw two things. I saw Peter on the shore and I saw protect my children. Peter on the shore, protect my children. And the Peter on the shore I later discerned was to, to discern priestly formation. Protect my children was child advocacy, which had always been a big call in my heart. The next morning I called a, a Catholic law school and I said, look, I'm biology pre-med, I'm, I'm on a medicine route, but I feel called to, um, to abolish uh, uh, child exploitation and 20, 20th century um, uh, slavery, and I don't think I'm gonna do it in medicine. And within six months I was studying law. But then that was right before 9-11. 9-11 hit, I got pulled out, um, spent a year uh, away, came back in, finished law school, growing in the faith the whole time, um, to the point where I, I then sat for the bar, so I'm, I'm, I'm gonna uh, pass the bar, so I'm an attorney, but right afterwards I entered priestly formation and spent a year then discerning, um, you know, has God called me to be his priest or has he called me to be his married? You know, I dated before and, and felt strongly called to the married vocation, but the priestly vocation became more and more attractive. And this is something certainly we can tease out, you know, in, in, in other segments and other times. Absolutely. But as I, I began to fall more in love with the priesthood, it freed me enough to then be able to embrace the, the laity and to know that was a true discernment. Right. I didn't find the priesthood less attractive. I found it more attractive in my friends and realized more and more, but my call is to the, the married state. I then sat with a, uh, a friend of mine um, and asked him, am I called to, as an attorney, law and, and policy, business and industry, or, or theology and academics? And he said, Todd, if, if you're called to a deeper formation, you need a job that, that helps you in that? And so I began to teach. I taught at Archbishop Shaw High School for, for two years. Uh, and that friend also is somebody who's a, a theologian here. And at the seminary was Chris Baglow, um, who gave me a, a great gift of, of helping me to discern that I was called to, uh, to the academic route. Uh, got a master's in theology then from Our Lady of, of Holy Cross College. And um, 
uh, got a master's from Our Lady of Holy Cross College, and uh, then began to study liturgy as I was called to work for the archdiocese for the last two archbishops in Eucharistic renewal as well as evangelization which then led me to doctoral studies where I've, I've been studying the nature of love, especially Benedict XVI's conception for the last, uh, the last four years. Well, I, there's so much to think about and so much to say from that. And what I want to kind of finish with is um, I think we need to pick that up. I think in a show or two, you are going to talk to us about what you're currently studying. So I'd like to pick up kind of this, the, the latter part of your journey um, at the, the Liturgical Institute and um, your work in the Archdiocese here, and then your doctoral studies and what that really means and who you're studying. So um, we have so much to look forward to and to do on this show that it's every episode that we do, it, it, it gets uh, it more and more fascinating. So. We're going to sign off for now, and we're going to pick up on the other side uh, with my journey, I guess. And, Todd, you're going to kind of host that one. So, I'm again, Dave Delio from the University of Holy Cross with Todd Amick, signing off for Lanyap Theology. Theology with a little something extra. Lanyap Theology is a production of Catholic Community Radio.